KMTT, Kimitzion Titzei Torah. Today is Friday, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Pashat Matot Masei, Chaf Hei Tamuz. And we have today the Erev Shabbat program. Originally, the Erev Shabbat program, we had a lot of guests. I think every week there was a guest. Lately, basically because I've been lazy, and it's the end of the year, and uh, it's hard to find people now. Some people aren't here, a lot of people are away. So the guest has been myself. Mitzvah Hashem, I take responsibility and we'll get back in track when we start again in Chodesh Elul. But today, you again stuck only with uh, listening uh, to me. This is Ezra Bick, the Erev Shabbat program for uh, Matot Masei. I 
Beginning of this week's Pasha, <coughs> beginning of this week's Pasha, we have Parshat Nidarim. Uh, and Parshat Nidarim, the Pasha which describes maintaining, fulfilling one's oaths and one's vows, so it's addressed to Rashi Hamatot, to the heads of the of the Shvatim, to the heads of the tribes, which was all interpreted to mean Tamil Chachamim, and, and we actually learn from this certain halachot considering halacha, which is not mentioned explicitly in the Torah, but is only derived from this reference, that a vow can be annulled by a chacham, by a talmid chacham, uh, under, certain, under certain conditions. Nonetheless, the question really arises, why in the pshat of the Pasuk, why is this pasha addressed not to B'nai Yisrael, but to the Rashi HaMatot? Second question is, what's the connection between this pasha and the previous pasha? The previous pasha ended with Pashat HaKorbanot. The long section dealing with the daily korban and all the mustafim. In other words, all the regular korbanot in the Beit HaMikdash. Not those brought by a person because he needs to bring it, but the, the daily korbanot of regular days and Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh and the Chagim was the end of Parshat Pinchas. And then the Torah says, tell the Jews about Parshat and Adarim. Okay, that's a very good question which deserves an answer in Pshat, but an answer which is not in Pshat. The Binyan Shlomo, Rabbi Shlomo, Hakarim, the the Moetzedek of Vilna, derived or found in these Pesukim a remez, a hint, to a halacha, not a well-known halacha, the Torah in Siman Tafkuf Nun Aleph, dealing with the uh, with Tisha B'Av, with the three weeks, the Torah mentions that the Minhag Ashkenaz is that Yechidim mit'anim ibasav ayayin min yud zayin betamuz. I mean, Hag Ashkenaz was that individuals, special individuals, right? Special Chachamim would not eat meat and wine, would not eat meat or, 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 or drink wine 
from Yudzayin B'Tamuz till, till Tisha B'Av. Right? Our, our minig, the minig of, uh, which is the halacha, the minig which, which, we, which we follow, is that we don't eat meat or drink wine in, uh, from Oshchodah Sha'av. Meeting in the Gemara, it would be only Shavu Shachal Bo Tisha B'Av, the week, meaning from the Sunday of the week of Tisha B'Av, the Minhag Ashkenaz is from Oshchodah. The Torah says though that the Minhag Ashkenaz is what does that Yechidim, individuals, not the community as a whole, would not eat meat or drink wine from Yudzayin B'Tamuz. And the Beit Yosef explains the reason. Because on Yudzayin B'Tamuz, the fast of Yudzayin B'Tamuz, one of the things it commemorates is Shinit Batla HaTamid, that they stop bringing the daily sacrifice in the Beit HaMikdash. So since the sacrifice, which was meat, and also this wine brought together with the sacrifice, the Nesachim, so when the Beit HaMikdash no longer has meat and wine, so we stopped uh, the Yechidim, followed this minhag of not themselves uh, eating meat or drinking wine. There's a similar Gemara Shoshanah that says that after the Beit HaMikdash was Chavev, uh, was destroyed, so some individuals said they were never going to eat meat or drink wine again. You see, there's a connection that if there's no meat and wine in the Beit HaMikdash, you shouldn't have it on your private table either. Okay, so that's what the Beit Yosef explains. That Yuzayim B'Tamuz Nitpatla HaTamid as, that means Nitpatlu HaKorbanot, Korbanot ceased, and therefore we cease from our own meat and wine. Some of us, individuals, uh, uh, stop. So the Binyan Shlomo explained that this is what is hinted at in our Psukim. After you have Pashat HaKorbanot in the previous Pasha, you finished Pashat HaKorbanot, which he interprets to mean you finished, it's over, because it's been, it's stopped because of the Chorban, because of the Zayin B'Tamuz. So Pashat HaKorbanot is finished, then comes Pashat Nidarim. Then comes the Pashat that tells you that you have the ability to voluntarily cease, make things asur, make things forbidden to you, separate yourself from certain things, and then you have to fulfill it. You have to do whatever you have uh, uh, committed yourself to doing. And this Pasha is addressed to who? To Rashi HaMatot. In other words, from here we see that the Rashi HaMatot, the special individuals, the leadership, the, the Chachamim, have a special connection to Nidarim, to voluntarily restricting oneself. And this comes right after Pashat HaKorbanot. In other words, when the Korbanot cease, the Yechidim should take upon themselves a separation, a hit nazrut or a hit batlut from Pasar V'yayin. And it's undoubtedly not a coincidence. It's very relevant that we read this Pasha. In fact, at this time, between Yudzayin B'Tamuz and Tisha B'Av, in the Bein HaMetzalim. So, Shlomo Cohen found a hint to a late minhag of Minhag Ashkenaz in the juxtaposition of the two parashiyot and it's being addressed to to the individuals and it's strengthened even more by the fact that we read it at the time when it applies. We read it between Yudzayin B'Tamuz and Tisha B'Av, the days that are called Bein HaMetzarim. And if we're already reading the first, uh, the opening Sukim of the Pasha, so I'd like to share with you an interesting, fascinating comment on the first, on the first Pasuk, the second Pasuk actually. Moshe Rabbeinu introduced these halachot concerning Darim 
with the expression, this is the matter which God has commanded. Zehadava. Rashi quotes a Sifri that says the following. The standard opening line in Nevi'im is Ko Amar Hashem. Thus has God spoken. Ko, Kafe. And Moshe Ben also has used this expression in Shemot and other places. Moshe Ben says, Ko Amar Hashem. The Sifri says, Moshe Musafaleh. Moshe Rabbeinu, more than any other Navi, has a, an additional, additional meaning not just more but, but greater, a higher degree, something concerning his Nevi'im, that he not only said Ko Amar Hashem, but also Zeh. This pasuk, Zeh Davar Asher Tzivah Hashem. So the obvious question is, why is Zeh, this, a, an additional, a higher level of Nevi'im than Ko, thus? Uh, when I say this and thus, I don't think these are accurate translations. These are two different words. They both mean the same thing. The Midrash says, all Nevi'im used Ko, but Moshe Rabbeinu, he was greater, he could say even Zeh. But Chaim Velazhana, in a famous answer, says that the word ko means more proximate. Ko means similar. Ze means exact. And he based himself on the famous Gemara that says, that all other prophets, their view, what they saw in their vision, was an aspaklaria she'enam ira, a glass or a light that wasn't bright. Which of Chaim Velazhe, it's, it's a strange expression. We don't know exactly what it means. But but Chaim Velazhe said it meant that you basically saw a shadow. If you look into, let's say, a window, so you can see a reflection, but it's it's a shadow reflection. And so therefore, Nviyim prophesied accordingly. When they when they said their prophecy, they said, Ko Amar Hashem, uh, like this, like this, God, God said. Because their own vision wasn't clear. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara says, Ra'ab aspaklaria ha'me'ira. He saw it in a glass which shines. Which Rav Chaim explains means he saw exactly. He saw the picture, the vision. He saw it clearly. And therefore, he could say, Zeh, which means exactly. Exactly like this. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky Zatzal said, uh, explained it slightly differently. Uh, he changed the focus. It's the same idea, but he changed the focus and therefore comes up with an important conclusion. Um, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daf Peitet, says that there's a difference. You can recognize Nevi'eh Emet and Nevi'eh Shekhar. You can tell the difference between true prophets and false prophets because true prophets, even when they're saying the same thing, they do not say it in the same language. But the false prophets, they all say exactly the same words. The Gemara comes to explain why the king Yehoshaphat, when he met with Achav, and Achav brought him, uh, Achav was the evil king of Israel, Yehoshaphat was the king of Yehuda, and they were meeting together, and Achav, they wanted to go to war together, and Achav had his prophets tell Yehoshaphat how they're going to be successful. How did Yehoshaphat know that these prophets were false? Because the Pasuk says that the many prophets all said the following. They said exactly the same thing. So you know therefore they're false prophets. Because two prophets don't use the same language. So obviously the question of the Gemara is, why is that? If the, the, the more true you are, the more I would expect that you would stick to the same language because you're saying what God has told you. And why should God say different things to different, to different people? The false prophets are making it up so they could easily make it up differently, but the true prophets are simply repeating what God has said. It should have been the same language. Why is it going to say the opposite? So, Rabbi Yaakov explains that you don't understand what Nebuah is. 
Nevoah, God doesn't dictate the words. Nevoah is the, is the, the true appreciation. The Navi has a special ability because of God's hand upon him to see truth which the rest of us cannot see. But when he, when he says it, when he speaks it, he has to phrase it according to his understanding and because each one of them is different. So sure enough, the prophecy comes out differently from each one of them. Two different Nebiyim do not prophesize in exactly the same formulation. Because the formulation also reflects your personal understanding, ability, and, 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 and exposition. All this is true for all other Nebiyim, except Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, he in fact is a dictation machine. He is not, not that God is, God is not inspiring him with a general idea which he then has to formulate. God is dictating the words directly to him. And there are a number of explanations in the Rishonim about what the difference between what Moshe and what Shah and Nevi'im is, the difference between Moshe's prophecy and that of the other Nevi'im. The Bible devoted an entire chapter in the Guide to the Perplexed to this topic. And there's a long section in the Drashot Haran about this. And, 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 but, but one of the differences, according to, according to the understanding of many, is exactly this point of Yaakov Kamenetsky. It may sound like we're denigrating Moshe, which might very well be true. The other prophets are actually producing prophecy. Moshe Rabbeinu is simply, is simply transmitting it. The reason why it's important, and I say as an aside, is not because we care about the status of Moshe or, or, or Yeshayahu, but we care about the words. The words of Yeshayahu are the words of Yeshayahu. The words of Moshe are the words of God. Therefore, he explained, that's what it means, ko enze. Similar to Avchayim, but a little bit different. Other Nevi'im say, ko Hashem, meaning what I'm, what I'm going to tell you reflects the words of God. Thus, God has said, but Moshe Rabbeinu says, quote, unquote, this, these are the words of God. Zehadava, word for word, what I'm going to say. Now, the question is, why here? Because Moshe Rabbeinu generally does say, ko, only in this place, is the only pasuk in the Torah where it says, Zehadavar Asher Tziva Hashem. So Rabbi Yaakov explained it was of special importance to stress this point here. This point is true in general, but it had to be stressed here because what do we learn from Pashat Nedarim? This really tells us something about the Pashat of Nedarim. Nedarim is really an unusual thing. It's not merely that if someone you promise to do something, you should do it. It's not merely about honesty. In a Nedarim, in a vow, one actually creates Isurim. I take something which is permitted. It's, you got to eat bread. I say, lechem alai, or hana'at lechem alai. The lechem, the bread, becomes asa. Becomes forbidden, as though God had prohibited it. The Darim teaches us that a man, human being, and there's, there's a, a, an important metaphysical principle behind this, which I won't go into, a human being can create isa. He can create a prohibition. He can change the nature of what is permitted and what is assumed. And therefore, you might think, oh, so maybe Moshe Rabbeinu, not illegitimately, but, but legitimately, Moshe Rabbeinu has created Isurim. God gave him the Torah in a sort of a general manner. But the actual Isurim that we have in the Torah, it reflects Moshe's prohibiting them, which is okay because man has the ability to prohibit things, Moshe Rabbeinu, who is a great Jew, surely can actually prohibit things. And if the Torah tells us, no, 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 don't get mixed up. In Darim and the Darim, the Torah is the Torah. The Isum and the Torah have nothing to do with Moshe. And how do you know that? Because Zehadavar Asher Tzibashem. Moshe Rabbeinu prophesies Bezeh, exactly these words, quote, unquote. 
not like other Nevi'im, who in fact, their personality is reflected in at least the words and the formulation uh, that they have chosen with which to transmit the word of the word of God. The period that we are in is called Yimei Ben Hametzarim. Based on a pasuk taken from Eicha, the period between Shivasar with Tammuz and Tisha B'Av, what we call the three weeks, is known in Halacha as Bein HaMitzarim. Bein HaMitzarim, a Meitzar, means a straight. In other words, you can be walking on a wide avenue, but then the street gets narrow, the walls begin to close in. So the small, narrow lane that goes between two, uh, two fields, or between two areas which are fenced in, and they don't want to waste any space on the road. So someone who walks there is Bain Hamitzavim. He's walking between the straits. He feels constrained. The straits here are Shivasaba Tamuz on one side and Tishabaav on on the other. Someone who is Bain Hamitzavim, he feels he has no escape. He has no breath to his life. His life is closing in. His life is closing in on him. Here in Eretz Israel, we're going through a period of Bain Hamitzavim in our own historical present and not merely in the recurring cycle of the Jewish year. There are bombardments in the south and bombardments in the north. The truth is I live in the middle. A large portion of the Israeli population is under bombardment in one way or another. Here in Alon Shvut, close to Yerushalayim, so at the moment... None of this is directly impinging upon us. But we are Bain HaMitzarim. The borders are closing in. The areas of safety are closing in. You cannot escape to the north. You cannot escape to the south. What's left is El Hashem Eneinu. Our eyes face, our eyes are turned El Goel Yisrael to he who is the Redeemer of Israel. When the pressure, the, 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 the pressure of life, the, the, the constraint of life, when your world becomes small and, and, and you have no place to turn, that's the period which we describe as being, as being Ben HaMetzarim. And the Ben HaMetzarim period is a, is a historical reality. In other words, sometimes, because of, the, because of the developments of the 20th century, so most Jews, most Jews today, Although the Binyan Galut, although the Beit HaMikdash is, is destroyed. Shiva Sabatamuz is Shiva Sabatamuz, and Tishabav is Tishabav. But physically, in terms of prosperity, in terms of freedom, they're not Bainamit, they don't know the Bainamit Sevim, they don't feel the Bainamit Sevim. The world is not closed, it's not narrow. And on the contrary, it's wide. All the possibilities are open. So wide that we tend to even to get lost in how wide the modern Western world is for for Jews. But in fact, Chazal understood and the idea of halacha, of repeating a yearly cycle, implies is that there are days when our worlds are wide. Sheyotzim el ha-merchav goes out into the wide breadth spread of life. And there are days when historical reality catches up on us. And if the Beit HaMikdash is burning on one side and the Tamid is Batel on the other side, the Kabanot are finished on the other side, 
and what's left of our life is very narrow, constrained, pressured. And it's a period when Chazal also believed that history repeats itself. That uh, days, days of the year have certain, have certain qualities. And this period is a period, uh, the Gemara says explicitly, and it's a practical piece of advice, he who has a business dealing, he wishes to sue, he has some sort of a conflict with a non-Jew, should not initiate it in Chodesh Av, which we've expanded to Shivasar Betamuz and on. That's what it means, not just that you're less happy, but you take less chances, because the possibilities for Jews are in fact limited at this time. And they're limited because the fact that Beit Kedash was destroyed 2,000 years ago uh, is reflects itself in our life today. We don't have the breath, the connection to God, the openness, the expansiveness that the Beit HaMikdash puts into, puts into Jewish life. Israel today has refugees. Uh, hopefully they'll be back home soon. But many, many people have left the north of Israel and they're finding shelter. Those who have relatives went to their relatives. Israelis then simply volunteered. It's an unusual, an unusual situation. Obviously, we, we're not surprised. We know that Jews are like this, but Jews don't always remember that they're like this. You know, you tend to, in normal times, when your world, so to speak, is wide, when you think your world is wide, so you yourself become wide and you forget about your fellow man. Take care of yourself. But many, many Israelis went, they stood online and they registered in their, in, their, in their municipalities saying, anybody wants to come from the north? It's trying to get away from the, from the, from the sleepless nights, from sleeping in, in, in bomb shelters with their families. So we'll put them up. And, and, and people have left the northern cities. It's time for vacation anyhow. And their, their schools, are, uh, schools are closed anyhow. They've taken their children. And they've gone, so they've been able to walk around during the day and sleep in and sleep in, in, in normalcy, have moved down to the center of town. Here in Alon Shvot, in the Yeshiva, Yeshivat HaRatzion, which is still open, but, but has a lot of room now at the end of the year. So a whole bunch of people have moved from the city of Carmel and have come to live in Yeshiva for a while. You don't know how long until the situation comes up. But these people basically are refugees. They're refugees deluxe. I mean, they're, coming, they're not coming without any clothing on their backs. But they're far from their homes here in Al-Anshwad and many other places. So we have refugees within Eretz Yisrael. Part of the Jews of Eretz Yisrael, part of Eretz Yisrael, the Jews of part of Eretz Yisrael have been refugees in other, in other parts. If you remember the end of last week's Haftarah, three Haftarot between Shivasa Batanuz and Tisha B'Av are called Gimud the Puranita. The three Haftarot of Puranut, of of bad tidings because the Haftarot basically threatened the Jews the Haftarot from Yirmiyahu in which the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash is, is forecast warned described before it took place what is going, what is going to happen this is called the Gimel de Puranita but we, we, we're a little bit uncomfortable so we add Pesukim last week's Haftarah added with an extra section the last Pesukim Kodesh Yisrael Hashem Whatever the parsha, whatever the pasuk, whatever the haftarah says about the Jews, and the haftarah is extremely negative about the Jews, because it's our sins that have led to the situation of Bein HaMitzarim. It's not the inexorable fate, the turning of the wheel. We are between the straits, 
because we have constricted our lives by, by sinning. Choban is a punishment. But that doesn't change the basic situation. That Kodesh Israel Hashem, Israel is sanctified to God. Rishit Tvuata, like Teruma, we're the first, the first fruits, the part that's been set aside from the fruits of the world to bear God's, ne- to bear God's name. And whether, whatever God is angry with us or not, that doesn't change the basic fact. The relationship of Rishit Tvuato, the first fruits to the rest of the fruits. Kol Ochlavia Eshamu. He who eats, anyone who eats, who consumes, who tries to consume, these fruits which are sanctified to God, he will be held guilty. And evil will, evil will befall him. We shouldn't confuse these two different systems, these two different frameworks. There is our relationship to God, which could be it's based on Kedusha, but it can be very difficult for us if we're not good, that it in fact engenders punishment and severe punishment. And our world can be very, very difficult. The other system, the other framework, is what the rest of the world relates to the Jews. And their God doesn't know from any, any kulot, any, any degradation in our status. He who eats the Jews, he who tries to consume, to nibble, to chew away the Jewish people, Yes, we will be held guilty. We hope, we pray. I hope that everyone is praying. We should be saying Tilim and Tfilah. We should be learning Torah. All of Amisor, just as here in Israel, there's really been a, a certain amount, beautiful amount of Hitlakdut, of, of, of unification, of reunification, of, 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 of solidarity. People taking care of other people, those who are fortunate today to live in a safe area, helping out those who are living in a more dangerous area as the bombs and missiles fall. But all of themselves in the same boat. And the Hitlakdut, the solidarity of the Jewish people, is in Tidim, Tfilah, Torah, the help that can be given, putting us all together in the eyes of God. This is a time for Tfilah, and we hope, we pray, that we should get out, we should leave the Bein HaMetzalim in the shortest period possible and come El HaMnucha ve'el HaNachala El HaGeula ve'el HaYishua should give us shortly, quickly and speedily in our days. One last vote from the Pasha a little bit of personal Musa. Pasuk says, Moshe al When the Jews came back from the war with Midian, so they took uh, booty. They they won the war and they came back with a lot of uh, a lot of property. Among the property were women of Midian. Moshe Rabbeinu got very angry. Yiktsof means more than anger. Ketsef means froth. Shabbat was really angry. And he said to them, why did you, why did you bring back these women? So the Gemara in Psachim, Dav Samach Dav Bet, has the following statement. Kol Adam Shekoes, Im Chacham Hu Chochmato Mistaleket Mimenu. One who is angry, one who becomes angry. So a lot of things can happen. One of them is, if he is wise, if he's a Chacham, his wisdom leaves him. How do we know that? We know that from Moshe, from our Pasuk. Moshe is, says by itself, and then afterwards, who gave the instruction to 
the soldiers, to the to the captains of the army, what to do with the uh, shalal, with the booty that they were allowed to take. We have the halachot of harakasha, harakasha uh, uh, pots and pans that's brought in this parasha. It says, Elazara kohen elan Elazara kohen is teaching them halachot. It's the only place in the Torah that's, and Moshe Rabbeinu. That's his job. He's Moshe Rabbeinu. He teaches Torah. This halacha was taught by Elazar Kohen. So the Gemara says, you see, Moshe Rabbeinu, because he was angry, nistalka chokhmatomimenu, his wisdom left him. And he was not able to teach Torah, and therefore Elazar Kohen had to do it. Now, I, I think the conclusion is, is obvious. Chaim uh, Shmulevitz in a Sicha once pointed this out. He said, after all, Moshe Rabbeinu was right. He didn't get angry because of some triviality. They really had done a terrible thing, and he yelled at them and told them not to do it. So if he's right, why is he being punished? And Rebbe Chaim who said it's a punishment? The doesn't mean it's a punishment. The not saying that it's also to get angry, and anyone who's angry is punished by having his wisdom leave him. The Gemara is saying psychology, holy psychology. You might be right to get angry, but it's simply a fact of life that anger and wisdom are mutually contradictory. If someone loses his temper, he's lost his his anchor in the world of wisdom and rationality. And even righteous anger, even justified anger, will distort and subvert the clarity of of chokhmah. And that's exactly what the Gemara means. The Gemara wants to say, when the Gemara wants to say that something is bad, they say anyone who does this is punished. You don't have to give ten punishments. Like the Gemara says, if he's a chacham, and this happens to him, if he's this, and this happens to him, the Gemara is describing the results of anger, not the consequences of anger. And the result of anger for a chacham is, he won't be a chacham anymore, and that's what we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu, who was upset and flared up because of what he saw as being a chilul Hashem, but there was a price to pay. And the price to pay was that he could not that day teach Torah because Chochmah, if you wish to be wise, you have to avoid anger at all, at all, at all cost. And now for the daily uh, Midrash. And that's all for today. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. We'll be back next week. Next week will be the last week of the KMTT Shurim for this summer, Chodesh Av, we're taking off in what I hope is a well-deserved vacation. We're back, of course, at the beginning of Chodesh Elul, but we'll be off for the for those four weeks. So next week will be the last week, beginning again as usual on Monday. Um, so next week we'll be back with one more week of the Shurim of, uh, of KMTT. And now, wishing you a Shabbat Shalom, Chol Tov, Vibrakat HaTorah, Mitzion, hoping for Nechama, Vishua, for all of us, for all of Am Yisrael. This has been Ezra Beck, and this has been KMTT. Ki Mitzion, Tetzay Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim.